0: If you're using the Pew Bible, that is page 988. And we are in sanctification, the work of the Holy Spirit in sanctification. Children, here are your questions. I know there are some children here. Okay. I would read them anyway, because they're good for us all to think through these things. Uh, First, who can change a sinner's heart? Two, where do we learn how to love and obey God? Three, what should we do when we see sin in our lives? And four, what should we do when the Bible shows us good things to do? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 beginning in verse 23 this is the word of god now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it there ends the reading of god's word let's pray together almighty god we do thank you for your word And we know that your word itself speaks truth to us and that we need your Holy Spirit to burn those truths into our hearts, where we know that a process that we're undergoing of sanctification is always at work, but we know that it's empowered when your word pierces our hearts. We thank you for these very words that remind us that you are at work in us and that you will complete your work. Now through the preaching of your word, we pray that those truths would bear upon our hearts and our lives, that you would be glorified among your people, that you would work mightily in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you satisfied where you're at in your spiritual life, in your moral life? Are you satisfied with your level of obedience, that your thoughts are pure, your words are under control, your tongues are under control, and that your deeds are in line with God's will. Um, Are you happy the way you are? Feel like you've overcome indwelling sin, that you've filled the quota of good works that you're called to do? I highly doubt it, but if that's what you feel about yourself and you're satisfied, it's a very dangerous place to be. You can't be self-satisfied and be a Christian at the same time. It's a warning that if you're not concerned about where you're at spiritually, that something's wrong with your spiritual life, because we understand that we're not where we need to be, and we need to undergo this process called sanctification. Christians, true Christians who trust in Christ, should be absolutely satisfied with the fact that Jesus has accomplished salvation for us. Our standing before God is secure because of what Christ has done. But Christians also understand that we're not yet made perfect enough for heaven. We'll never get there in this life. It's not as if we'll get to some point in this life where we're so Christ-like that we'll just be taken up into glory. And yet, we're still going through this process of being made more and more Christ-like. We need help with that. A sanctification is the thing that we need. It's God's purpose, first of all, to save us and then to sanctify us peter touches on what i believe is the turning point he says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds you have been healed and so once somebody becomes a christian they immediately start this process of change of change that we might die to sin and live to righteousness again It's the merits of Christ applied to us, but once they're applied, we're undergoing this process. Ezekiel, under the inspiration of God, of the Holy Spirit, is addressing Israel in a a big sense, the nation of Israel, but I think what we read here is also true for us personally as saints of God. Here's what Ezekiel says. I will sprinkle, that's what God says, I'm sorry. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you, I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules again that's what kicked in when we were saved whenever it was that when we were saved we were given a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone and then we begin to undergo this process as we're given the holy spirit and that spirit that holy spirit works in us applying the merits of christ applying the word of god convicting us of sin inspiring us in the right direction the whole time David Pallison, a man who passed away not that long ago, I once had a professor, wrote a little book called Sanctification. And he touches on this idea that we're already sanctified in one sense, but we're not yet complete. He likens it to the word salvation used in scripture. Like the word saved, sanctified has a past, present, and future sense. So I want to read to you what he wrote. In the past tense, your sanctification has already happened you are a saint saint simply means a holy one you might not feel like a saint other people might think not think you're a saint but according to the bible if you're saved you're a saint so in the past sense your sanctification has already happened you are a saint an identification for which you get no credit god decisively acted by making you his very own in christ you have been saved in the present tense, you, your sanctification is now being worked out. God is working throughout your life on a scale of days and years and decades to remake you in the likeness of Jesus. You're being progressively sanctified, you are being saved. And then in the future sense, in the future tense, your sanctification will be perfected. You will live. Your love will be perfected. You will see God's face when he decisively acts to complete his work of conforming you to the image of Jesus. You will participate in the glory of God himself. You will be saved. The one we're most interested in is that middle one, the present tense, what we're undergoing now. Westminster Larger Catechism gives a good definition. Sanctification is a work of God's grace whereby they whom God has before the foundation of the world chosen to be holy are in time, through the powerful operation of his spirit, applying the death and resurrection of Christ unto them, renewed in their whole man after the image of God, and having the seeds of repentance unto life, and all other saving graces put in their heart. And those graces so stirred up, increased, and strengthened, as that they are more and more to die to sin and rise to newness of life and so that's sanctification that's the work of the holy spirit in our lives there are common aspects of it that all christians undergo it's the work of the spirit and the work of the word the work of the spirit and the work of the word that's common to all christians again jesus prayer sanctify them in the truth your word is truth the spirit and the word but then there are tailored aspects of sanctification very uniquely designed for each one of us as individuals especially for you especially for you in the things that we go through in life in the challenges that we face in the times we need to be convicted of sin and the times we need to be pointed in a certain direction it is the person of the holy spirit that's at work in it all in how we process life and faith in the circumstances of life of course we use our minds but in order to truly understand And following God's ways, we need the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a part of that that's apart from us. And so the sermon tonight really only has two parts. It's the part of sanctification that is apart from us or outside of us. And then there's the part that we participate in and we need the Holy Spirit for both. If I don't get to the second part, because there's so much to cover, we'll save the next part for next time. But for now... What happens apart from us in this whole thing we call sanctification? Things that we have no control over. What I would call prescribed providences, each one unique for each one of us, that God prescribes to sanctify us. We usually think of providence in the big terms of of what God is doing, but we need to look at our lives and think of all the things that come into our lives that are a part of God's prescribed providences making us who we are and making us more and more like christ it's god's perfect design for each one of us everybody loves the verse from romans eight twenty eight. we know that for those who love god all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose i think this addresses the issue of sanctification And the issue of all things is very intentional. So, whether they're good things that are blessings to us or they're trials that are there to refine us, it's all a part of God's work to make us more dependent upon Him and more Christ like ultimately. Divine appointments, whatever they might be. It's not a formula that we can follow, it's not some scheme that we can follow, some man made process that we can follow. It's It's the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's often very mysterious. A couple of songs that came to my mind in thinking about this, one from 250 years ago, a man named William Cooper, who struggled a lot with trials in his life and actually became quite suicidal at times. Very good friend of John Newton. John Newton's a name that you know, Amazing Grace, and many other wonderful hymns. It's a hymn called... God moves in a mysterious way. In this simple line, ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. We're never going to understand God's ways if we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, especially through trials. We will judge the Lord with feeble sense, leaning on our own understanding unless the Holy Spirit helps us to understand. So that song was about 250 years ago. A song more recently, 50 years ago, by a man named Phil Kagi. It's a little more lighthearted and kind of clever little things called Disappointment. Bear with me. I know it by heart, but in order to tell it to you by heart, I'd have to sing it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not even going to read you the whole song. It goes like this. His appointment, change one letter, then I see, that the thwarting of my purpose is God's better choice for me. His appointment must be blessing, though it may come in disguise. For the end from the beginning, open to his wisdom, lies. Disappointment, his appointment, who's the Lord's, who loves best, who loves me best. Understands and knows me fully, who my faith and love would test. For, like loving earthly parent, he rejoices when he knows that his child accepts unquestioned all that from his wisdom flows. Disappointment, his appointment, no good thing will he withhold. From denials, off we gather treasures from his love untold. And again, as we're going through those things, whether they're good or bad, it's the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit who will help us through the process in the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so those are the prescribed providences that are brought into our life that we're going to be completely in the dark about if we don't have some illumination from the Holy Spirit. The second part of that is promptings from the Lord, the Holy Spirit. That direct ministry when the Holy Spirit touches our heart and prompts us giving us clarity of the word. It's why we need to pray when we read God's word that the Holy Spirit will be clarity, give us clarity and help us to apply uh, things that prick our consciences. The things that we're to put off, the things that we're to put on, the Holy Spirit taking the word will apply those things to our hearts and our minds. The Lord also employs people in our lives as a process of sanctification. We might not always associate the people in our lives with sanctification. We know that they can test us, but the Holy Spirit brings people into our lives, people that we need. We were made to be with people. Now, there are people who will drag you down, and they can be used in your life to sanctify you in some ways. You recognize that they're having a bad influence on you. You need to move away from them. But the Lord sends people very often in our lives to point things out to us point things out to us. We need people. We're made to be with people. There's no sanctification without people. There was a, a monk back in the early church, in the ancient church. His name was Simon Stylites, and it kind of means Simon of the Pillars. And he was in the Syrian church, and he was such a radical monk that he wanted to undergo all these, put himself under all these terrible things to to humble himself and to break himself before the lord so much so that the monastery that he was in kicked him out so he thought well i want to become super sanctified and my problem and i'm characterizing this but my problem is people isn't the problem always people so what he does is he separates himself from people and he builds a pillar and first it's six feet high and it's got a big 11 square foot platform on top of it and he lives on there so he doesn't have to be around these corrupting annoying people well later on he ends up building this thing so it's almost 50 feet high and he's up there for 37 years to try to stay sanctified so he's not polluted by the other people so he can escape their annoyance and their influence there was a ladder so that there were supplies i'm not going to say he wasn't a good guy But his idea of sanctification was way off. We need people. They will sanctify us. One of my friends who got married first among a bunch of cronies, we got together with him when he was allowed to come out and play, so to speak. His first comment to us was, Brothers, marriage is sanctifying. And it's true. And children are sanctifying. But that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Friends are sanctifying, and they should be. They really should be sanctifying. Pro- there's a proverb that says that says, Many are the wounds of a friend. Many are the kisses of the enemy, but many are but precious, I'm sorry, precious are the wounds of a friend. We need friends in our lives to point out our sinfulness, to point out our errors, to point out things that we should be doing. I can honestly say to you, there were there were times in my life where I look back and I wish that some of my friends would have said to me you are acting like an idiot (laughs) you're acting like an idiot my friends were all too nice to do that well some of them were too nice to do that so we need friends we have family we need fellowship we need accountability sometimes even preachers or teachers can be used to influence us as we preach the word of god and as we teach the word of god Uh, the word can impact our souls that's what we pray for the work of the holy spirit to take the word and to use the word and to touch our hearts if we preachers didn't believe that god really used his word and used it to penetrate people's hearts i don't think we'd have any business preaching we're not influences we're not we're not you know people who are just here to to you know speak our philosophies or to be power of positive preacher preachers, whatever it is. So the Lord uses all those things in our lives. Well, I think I do have time just to mention some things about our part in the process. Again, sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God, but it's something that we participate in. We talked last time or the time before about salvation, and there are parts of our salvation, in fact, all of our salvation is all from God. Is all from God. But when it comes to sanctification, our growth in the Lord, we participate in that and we're intentional about it. Paul says, 2 Corinthians 7, 1, since we have these promises, talking about the promises that we have in Christ, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God well the first thing then obviously is that we have to have willing souls that we need to want to be changed that we really do want to become more christ-like and i will say that to pray make me like christ is a scary prayer because for all of us there's some pretty serious things that need to be weeded out of our lives before we're christ-like but we need to be willing souls and we need we need to make sure that we're not resisting the work of the holy spirit in touching our hearts david after his terrible sin with bathsheba and the murder of bathsheba's husband comes to a point of repentance and he's a broken man and he looks back on his time when he was unrepentant and it was a horrible burdensome time his strength was sapped he was absolutely miserable Psalm 32, he reflects back on it and wants others to avoid his mistakes. It's one of my favorite little lines in scripture. Psalm 32, 9. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. The point is, obey God. Willingly walk in his ways. And if you sin, repent quickly don't be like a foolish beast who needs to be beaten to come into compliance. And the fact of the matter is if we belong to God, if we belong to Christ, that if we're disobedience, if we're disobedient, God is going to discipline us. And so why be foolish and resist his work? And so we want to say to the Lord in every aspect of our lives, your will be done and then submit and pursue well finally that pursuit of holiness requires us to be in the means of grace and i can say that if we ignore or or neglect the means of grace we're robbing ourselves and we're setting ourselves up for an intervention by god maybe in a dramatic way but we need to be in prayer praying holy spirit help me to see myself help me to see myself there's an old hymn called in the secret of his presence by ellen gora i'm not really sure how to say her last name in the secret of his presence and think about yourself the presence of god in prayer asking the holy spirit to show you yourself and she writes only this i know i tell him all my doubts my griefs and fears oh how patiently he listens and my drooping soul he cheers you think he never reproves me what a false friend he would be if he never never told me of the sins which he must see of the sins which he must see the lord will show us our sin we need to ask him to show us our sin to humbly come before him practice repentance that requires the holy spirit to show us ourselves for who we are we need to be in the word we need to be in worship we need to be in fellowship if we want to be sanctified so the question is do we want to be sanctified this ongoing practice of repentance putting off sin when recognizing it and pursuing good works as the opportunities arise well there is a final refinement coming and we're not deluded enough to think that we're ever going to be perfected in this life nor should we in fact from my experience when i observe maturing christians the older they get the more they realize how sinful they are and how much they're dependent upon the grace of god but there is that day coming and again it's not like we'll become so christ-like that we'll get taken up or it's okay to die But finally, when we do enter God's presence, we'll be perfected. And if you're like me, you can't wait for this part of being glorified, being done with sin, finally. It will come. But in the meantime, no Christian can be comfortable with indwelling sin. No Christian can be comfortable in not doing what we're commanded to do. And we need the Holy Spirit to help us to do the things we're called to do finally though one day done with sin well we're being made like christ and whichever way it comes we can trust the lord that he's doing it the right way and however it comes the holy spirit will help us in the process and so i'll read again the benediction that i started with that is our passage now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our lord jesus christ he who calls you is faithful he will surely do it may we be willing subjects of the mercy of sanctification through the work of the holy spirit and his word in our lives let's pray lord as we come to you in prayer we know that you are a God who sees all things and knows all things. We know that you see into the very depths of our souls. And you know exactly what we need in our lives to be made like your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would give us wills that would be in conformity with your will for our lives. Lord, touch us deeply, we pray. Help us to see Help us to see where we've sinned against you and against our brothers and sisters, against our neighbors. Help us to see where we've not been merciful and kind and gracious to those around us, and when we've not acknowledged that we belong to you and we're not our own, when we've not served you well. Please forgive us. Lord, we're going through this process that you've designed for us. Lord, we pray that we would not be foolish but that through the ministry of your Holy Spirit that you would give us wisdom from above and as we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we would become more and more wise in the way that we process life. And we pray that we would do so all for your glory. We know it's good for our souls. And we come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A closing hit.